You are listening to The Andrew Miller Show. This episode was recorded when the show had a different name. Same show otherwise. Anyway, enjoy. You're listening to Actively Aware. I'm your host, Andrew. Good news. Update regarding the podcast. Actively Aware is now available on more podcast platforms. That includes Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and coming soon will be on Spotify. I'll continue to keep you posted as we make it to even more platforms. A lot going on these days, as you know, that includes a primary election, a big deal primary election, once in a lifetime almost. Every level of office, presidential primary. Sure, we all think it's over and in the bag, but guess what? A vote for Bernie Sanders still counts. The more votes he gets, the more likely his delegates participate in the Democratic National Convention and have a seat at the table. I know our last episode, we spoke with such a delegate. Check it out if you have not listened to it already. You'll love it. Also counts in the regard that those of us in New Jersey and other late voting states make a statement to the rest of the country and the party establishment that they don't make up our minds for us. We still get to vote and make our message clear. And if that still doesn't convince you to even bother, fine, screw the presidential election. There's offices at every level up for grabs. And this is serious because change really comes from the bottom on up. It has to be at every level. And if you like Bernie or his platform and want to see more candidates of that stripe run for office, perhaps younger candidates, for example, here's the good news. It's happening. We have candidates of all different backgrounds running on that platform at every level. I know Bernie's ticket, it'll say Bernie 2020. In New Jersey, it'll also say not me, us. You know, whatever it says, wherever you live, check it out. Take a close look at your ballot and see who else is running on that type of ticket or slogan. Because we have candidates running for U.S. Senate. We have candidates running for U.S. House, state level, county level, local level, you name it, up and down the ballot. This is a rare chance to actually have somebody to vote for at every level. So you do not want to sit this one out or you'll regret it for life. This is your chance to really make it happen from the bottom on up. Do it. And that leads us to our guest today. His name is Daniel Kim. He is running for Bergen County Freeholder, Bergen County, New Jersey. In New Jersey, a freeholder is what the rest of the country and other places call a county commissioner, for example. I know there's a whole history on why it's called a freeholder. It goes back to colonial times. I'm not going to get into it right now. I did get into it and all the details in a previous episode I did where I interviewed a candidate running for Union County Freeholder. So if you're interested in hearing that, then give that episode a listen. You'll enjoy it. But in the meantime, I'm going to cut through the chase and talk with Daniel Kim. Enjoy. Uh, welcome, welcome, Daniel Kim, running for Bergen County Freeholder. How are you doing today? 
I'm good. And how are you, Andrew? Ah, fantastic. So just to let our listeners know a little bit more about Dan, he's been a resident of Bergen County for well over 20 years. Got me beat. I just made it the eight years living in Bergen <laughs> County. Uh, graduated Emory University with a bachelor's in chemistry and mathematics, economics. Currently working as a technology consultant for a global professional services firm. And, you know, if, if that's not busy enough, which sounds really busy, he's also the chair of our revolution of Bergen County. And he's been at the forefront of local social and political activism. So that's a lot going on there. It sounds like just the right person to be running for office right now. <laughs> so Dan, uh, what motivated you to get into politics and run for Bergen County Freeholder? Absolutely. Um, so maybe a little bit of background myself. I actually um, was not into politics beforehand. Um, so I was one of those guys who kind of just um, assumed that politics and you know what was happening out there in the government was all nice and dandy. Um, and the way I really got introduced to politics was actually in 2016. So um, my friend from college, actually my roommate in college, he, uh, um, we were taking a year off and he, he, he like runs into the living room and he's like, Danny, do you know this guy named Bernie Sanders? And I was like, what? Bernie Sanders, who is this guy? And then we, we just spoke a little bit about his candidacy. And then, you know, he spoke a little bit about this concept of Citizens United, um, how, you know, that Supreme decision was made, Supreme Court decision was made, and how there was money in politics now that was totally legal and totally okay. Um, I think that was really what motivated me to get involved and take an eye into what this whole political ecosystem and sphere is like. Um, saw that how money in politics is really a huge um, root of corruption for a lot of our candidates and a lot of our systems. Um, and so that is really how I got involved and got to be aware of these political systems, um, firstly. And then secondly, I got involved because Donald Trump won. I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I, I think I had my first, um, you know, after he won, I had a week of um, kind of a little bit, you know, it was, it was depressing for a week, definitely. Uh, but sure. I reacted and I was like, you know what, like, you know, what Bernie said and what his message was about was like, we, you know, it's not about him, right? It's about yeah. us people on the ground stepping up and just doing it. And so part of this, you know, just me just running is just doing that, right? It's like, let's, let's just run. Um, you know, we need a new face, um, a new um, generation of kind of political voices, um, social voices, I think, in government. Um, so that was number, that was one of my motivations. Um, the second one was really to also help um, Bernie Sanders as well. Uh, we, the Our Revolution organization, so Our Revolution New Jersey had organized a slate of candidates to help Bernie Sanders. So, um, Andrew, you might be aware that, you know, how New Jersey ballots work is that, you know, they form a line. Um, everyone just naturally just 
chooses the candidate down the line. Um, our goal was to say, hey, there is a second line you can choose, um, that there is a progressive group of people who want to um, represent the people um, and that we are organized. And so uh, I wanted to be, we are a part of that organization. Um, we created that line and hence why I'm running for freeholder. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a cool experience to say the least, Andrew. I can't, you know, um, but yeah, glad to be here. Oh, no, definitely. And it's uh, great to hear all that. And I know you, what you mentioned about, you know, how Donald Trump, you know, winning the presidency and everything. And uh, I'd say the flip side to that, though, is if a game show host could end up being president who has never held office before, then you know what? Nobody could say, tell you that you can't run for county office or state office or municipal office if you never held office before. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's off the table now. No, nobody could say any of that nonsense anymore. Like, if you have an idea and you know you have what it takes to do it, then it's time to just grab it by the horns and go for it and make totally. it happen. Totally. And I think, like, one of the things that, um, you know, one of, one of the things I really noticed as I was just learning about, you know, um, government and people who are in Congress representing us is that there's this misconception that I've is misconception that you know you have to be you, have to, you need to have a law degree to be a candidate or you need to have some sort of training to be a candidate and, and you realize that like um that government should be a representation of all different perspectives and thoughts and trainings and backgrounds right and one of the things that i really am, a, am advocating for is that you know i do come with a really um I guess I guess I have some scientific training uh, coming through, and I, I do believe that if there's a little more science involved in our government, um, that a lot of the um, issues that we're going through, at least federally, um, would have been resolved, right? We would have more of an objective viewpoint. We would look at more data. We would look at more things um, from a point of view where um, how can we um, – actually make the right decisions versus how can we just make the politically uh, favorable decisions for myself so um yeah i just i i i you know donald trump is an example of just someone who just ran and showed you that you can do it um i think he's the wrong person to be the president but i do sure. that you know if you um that everyone brings a lot of value to the table. You don't have to have this idea that there's one person that, has, that can only be um, a representative for um, in our democracy, right? So yeah, that's, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, in a way it was a good thing, I guess like, in, you know, Donald Trump's can't, you know, presidency was bad, definitely. I mean, I still did things hard, but it did open up the door and shine the light on kind of the holes in it. Um, and. Um, hopefully people can see that and be motivated by that. Oh, yeah, definitely, of course. And I know you mentioned uh, that Supreme Court decision, Citizen United's before, and yeah. basically money and politics and everything, because that goes to what I read on the platform, you know, just for the county here. Yeah. That the top issues here. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now. And, you know, yeah, there's a thing about money in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, right here. 
in, in fact, it's the first thing mentioned, uh, Bergen County freeholders issues, proposals, money in politics, and you know, a few steps here. Propose a resolution for Bergen County freeholders to disclose political campaign donations that have met the donation limit or are from companies mm -hmm. and propose a resolution for Bergen County freeholders to disclose their donors involved in the bidding process for Bergen County within published meeting minutes. Propose a resolution for companies who have received or aspire to receive no bid public contracts from Bergen County or its municipalities should be allowed to make only extremely limited contributions to the candidacies of any official who must decide or approve such contracts. And so the fact, so none of this has been proposed in the past in Bergen County, huh? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think one of the things is that if you just look at their meeting minutes, right? I don't, and I, I, I have this, um, I don't know if you've ever looked at the Bergen County's uh, meeting minutes for the freeholder discussions. There's nothing along those lines where the public can gain access to that type of information. Wow. Yeah. And the next thing is also, um, I mean, I, I hope people know that the freeholders are making multi-million dollar decisions, right, um, on a weekly basis. And there is, you know, when I were at those meetings, there's barely anyone there at these meetings to provide a perspective, voice their opinion. Um, a lot of the times it's just, all right, uh, we have this resolution, we have this proposal. Um, is there anyone against? It's crickets because there's no one there. And then you pass it, right? Um, yeah. So it's kind of, you know, there is a there is a process, but I mean, the reality of it is that not everyone can make it to these meetings, right? Not everyone yeah. can um, be aware of this. And so uh, part of it is just that we have to be, we, I think like as, government officials, we have to actually take the initiative to be transparent versus, versus being more of a reactive action. We have to be proactive in our transparency. And so, um, it, it, you know, I think it, it just comes down to just like, like, are we willing to show how we came up to with this decision or are we willing to just, um, just, you know, make a decision and what, you know, behind closed doors and then um, assume that it's okay because no one has uh, challenged us on it. So um, I, I, I believe in, you know, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, this whole money and politics issue, it, it comes down from the top down, right? It really is like, sure. uh, it, it really comes down from, you know, even at the presidency, but at the county level, no one is really um, looking at it with a fine tooth comb, right? No one's really looking at it with a magnifying glass. And so um, I think it's actually easier uh, at the local level versus at the federal level. And oh, definitely. That, yeah. Definitely. And, and you think people should pay more attention to that or the county government should be more open and transparent about that, especially considering how insanely high the property taxes are in this part of the state and this part of the country. And I know, you know, on the federal level, everybody pays attention, you know, whether they're paying attention to everything or the right things is a whole other thing. But you know, of course, everybody pays attention to what the president's saying or doing. Yeah. And even and if you live in a really tiny town, yeah, there's always some people who, right, 
a lot of town meetings are involved in everything and mm -hmm. they know they demand to see how every penny on that budget is spent but when you get like in between though especially at the mm -hmm. county level i mean that's part of why the property taxes are what they are but yet yeah nobody's seeing where it's all going you know they may hear that well a lot of it goes to schools yeah. or roads things like that or people you know they'll see their taxes go up every year but yet they see a lot of potholes that aren't being fixed and of exactly. course that sparks outrage but yeah i mean you think there should be more transparency in the fact that these things that you're trying to propose are not on the books already so that mm -hmm. just shows how shady it is and how much is being kept from the people who you know the residents and the taxpayers who are funding this and have to live under it mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is just like, we just really need to improve accountability and um, accountability will come from within, right? If you, if you, if you don't want to be accountable um, outright, then in reality, you won't be accountable um, when you're in a position with influence, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, right, what we're trending, like the reality of the situation is that we're trending in a situation where there is less oversight for everything, right? Um, even like with news media, right? The news, like, um, media is more targeted towards, you know, more federal issues, right? You don't really see local newspapers anymore. And you, you see local news kind of dying with, um, with uh, you know, with the rise of internet and with the rise of social media where a lot of like, there's a lot of things going around with fake news. And so, um, sure. you know, so I think the biggest thing is that like, as we are moving towards more of a, uh, you know, federal uh, country level type oversight, um, system, uh, we're losing that local oversight system. And, um, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, right? Like we need to really be accountable. And I think it comes from within, um, and, and, and someone from, you know, within to really enact that change. Oh, exactly. And I was looking at more of, uh, the platform here. I saw something yeah. about smart management and shared services because that's shared services is a very important topic, especially living in New Jersey because Absolutely. New Jersey is like notorious for home rule and not being as much in a shared service as other states are. Hence, yeah. another reason why taxes are so high. Yeah. And, and I know if there's one thing Bergen County does right in that realm, I would have to say it's the library system buckles like BCCLS, I mean, that, I mean, they have that down well, because I have a library card for North Arlington Public Library. Mm -hmm. 77 different libraries I could borrow books and movies and DVDs from. They could have it, I could pick it up at my local library. And when I'm done, I could return it at any of those libraries. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. 77 different libraries I could walk into and use a computer at. And yeah. this even extends outside of Bergen County. There's a few libraries in the system that are in neighboring counties such as Essex, Passaic, and Hudson. So right. kudos to that. Kudos to Bergen County and the library system, Buckles as people call it. And I, and I always sing my praises about that system. If I know someone who just moves into a town, like for example, my brother and his family moved into Bloomfield, they're in the system, I immediately says, oh, get a library card. You're gonna be able to borrow <laughs> stuff from 77 different libraries. Yeah. 
you know, so that's amazing because other like the town I grew up in, it's it's part of a similar system, but not nearly as big, and not all towns nearby are even in it. So this is like amazing. So kudos to that. But however, there's probably tons of other types of services where that kind of thing is lacking, especially yeah. when you have like all these really small towns that are clustered together. Yeah, it really is. So what kind of services do you, do you think uh, that needs to improve in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, um, I think the biggest thing is that we need to come into it very smartly, right? It's like, um, the library system is an example of, um, of, you know, something that's been done very well, right? Yeah. So things that my proposal is, is that, um, can we combine, um, you know, bring, bring our government, you know, at the municipality slash county level to the 21st century, right? Um, how do we utilize technology, um, to, make sure that you know a lot of the services that are provided are done efficiently and effectively. Um, one of the things that um, I'm an advocate for and a lot of the work actually that I do um, is coming into, so you know you mentioned a little bit like I do a little, you know I do in technology, I work in technology consulting and a lot of what I do is coming into a company and saying, hey, you know, what's the problem here, right? A client comes in and he's like, this is the problem, I don't know what's happening, how do you fix it? That's the situation. And a lot of the times they're coming into it and it's like, you know what, this is how you're doing right now. This is the current state. And what we found is that, um, that if you fix this, this, and this, um, that uh, we'll, uh, you, you can put in some technology improvements, you can kind of streamline this improvement, or maybe we have to add something else. We can get to a future state where things are acting, acting a little more efficiently. Um, I think what needs to be done is that we need to have a broad view of just looking at what's happening at the current state for Bergen County. I don't think that's happened um, so far, right? Uh, we look at it. Um, one of the things that I, I would really want to encourage is one of the things that you're working on, Andrew, is having civic participation be uh, more accessible across the municipality and the um, county level, right? Something where we can have some combined assets coming through for um, managing information for uh, electoral information, right? Um, understanding, uh, you know, where are the candidates coming from? Um, and then just understanding also um, what's happening across our whole county in the general, right, for, for elections. So, it, it, it really is just understanding, um, like what, I think my viewpoint on this is really more like what's happening right now and then um, where are the areas where we can improve. I can't, um, I do believe that technology is going to be a key component to it and I do believe that, um, that, you know, as Bergen County, I think Bergen County has been in the forefront of a lot of things and we should lead by example and, and push forward in terms of how can we be a government that works for everyone um, and a government that really utilizes what's available in terms of our tools versus just lagging behind and then catching up when it's necessary, right? Oh, exactly. And considering how densely populated it is here and considering that Bergen County has been quite the hotspot regarding COVID-19, 
like number yeah. one in the state for a while. Oh my God. Yeah, so we're really in this together. Everyone who lives yeah. in Bergen County. I mean, we're, it's a wake up call. Like, yeah, we're, we're in this together, whether we like it or not. Yeah, to totally. And I, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that like I'm really passionate about, Andrew, is that um, it's just healthcare in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, I, a little background myself, I used to, you know, I help my, you know, my dad works in, um, he's an insurance salesman assistant, na ACA navigator. So he helps people with the Affordable Care Act, helping getting um, people get insurance, choosing their insurance, um, getting just navigating through the whole healthcare process because you can imagine how complex it is. Um, yeah, one of the things that I also, um, you know, one of the things that's really on my heart is like, you know, seeing the, you know, people who really need healthcare really faced with the choice of, you know, do I pay for health insurance or do I pay for rent? And I've seen that a lot in a lot of, um, Oh yeah. Right. It's, um, your, your work, it, it's an, it's an unacceptable system. Um, and it is. One of the things that you know I'm really you know passionate about is that there are a lot of people who need help that are coming from especially minority communities, right? Um, you know, I don't know if you know, but you know, Bergen County boasts one of the highest um, uh, Korean American or Korean communities, Asian communities in Bergen County, but there's not a lot of assistance for Asian communities. In addition to that, there's a lot of Armenian communities that are actually coming in and growing up in Bergen County. Um, there's a huge Hispanic community as well. Um, it, it, basically, it's you know all in all, there's a there's a diverse community in Bergen County. But um, the focus should be that you know how is Bergen County really helping um, assist uh, assist more of these people who are not aware of how healthcare works in America, right? Um, and I, I, I do believe that, you know, if there's a way for Bergen County, it, um, as a freeholder, if there is a way for Bergen County to assist in that way, um, it should be done, right? Um, one of the facts, one of the things that was really interesting, Andrew, is that, um, you know, Bergen County last year uh, in 2019, um, they had about $53 million um, slated for capital improvements, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, can you, do you know how much money, from a percentage perspective, um, how much money was spent on health and human services in Bergen County? 1.5%, correct? 1.5%, that is correct, Andrew. That, that number was mind-boggling to me because I was yeah. like, how is it that health, like healthcare, if you, if you pull it, if you pull that with, most, you know, in the majority of Americans, healthcare is number one for them. But then from a uh, county perspective, we are not allocating the right resources uh, to really assist those in most need, right? One of the next things that really stuck out to me was um, parks and golfs, right? Do you know how much money is really is being allocated for capital improvements for, for parks and golfs in Bergen County? Uh, no, I do not know. Yeah, it's a it's approximately about twenty two percent. So, right. if you take a look at that, 
um, it really just kind of shows, you know, where are our priorities in terms of our, um, as a county, right? Um, do we want to focus in on healthcare? Or do we want to focus in on parks and golfs? And um, parks are great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I come from a county, I grew up in Union County, and they have a great park system there. And I know some of the Bergen County parks. I mean, I live on, North Arlington is like this southernmost point of Bergen County. It's yeah, like surrounded by three different counties in every other direction. So we're kind of like tucked away from everything else. But there's a park along, there's two parks, one in North Arlington, one in yeah. Lynnhurst that are along the Passaic River. And the one in North Arlington, I know one of the current freeholders uh, is from our town. So you know, I follow him on Facebook to see his updates. And yeah, of course, uh, he announced when he, how he used his poll to improve the tennis courts there because right. there are tennis, brand new tennis courts, which is, hey, fine. I mean, the old yeah. ones, I never had a problem with them. They were fine, but who knows? Maybe I don't, I'm not a tennis court infrastructure expert, so mm -hmm. maybe for other reasons they did have to be replaced. And uh, they did get rid of the wall. So now it's like, well, I can't play <laughs> tennis by myself now because they got rid of the wall and replaced it with a pickleball court. But uh, yeah. uh, but who knows? I mean, I'm just one person, one opinion, whatever. Maybe uh, that oh, totally. fits the needs of most people from the county or my town who uh, think a little bit differently than I do about should we have a wall or a pickleball court. But, yeah, no, but again, it's like, uh, it's not like the, what was there before was in shambles or anything. I mean, yeah, you could tell it was old. It was built a while ago, but it wasn't in rough shape or anything. It was just maybe not as pretty to look at as the new tennis courts mm -hmm. and the pickleball court, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, they, they, they got to fix this fast. Like that's, <laughs> that never crossed my mind every time I went there to use it. No, absolutely. And I mean, like, like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause like parks and golfs provide a lot of value um, and a lot of public, you know, just a, a lot of service for the public in general. And sure. you're absolutely right. Um, I think just the biggest thing. And I, I think that I always look at is that like, you know, we can say a lot of things, um, you know, as politicians or as like, you know, just even civilians, right? Or anybody. Yeah. But your true values really show um, based off of your pocketbook, right? If you look at your credit card statement, it really just show, like, you know, one example that I always hear is that like, you look at your credit card statement, it will show what your real priorities are, right? Um, sure. And in the same way, I think um, that's where uh, we have to truly ask ourselves as like, you know, as a people, you know, like, where are our priorities? You know, um, I think parks and golfs are really good and, and provide a lot. And I think you're right, right? It's like, you know, where is the line between improving a park um, and from, from, you know, where it was here um, to making it exquisite? But uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm in the perspective of, you know, where do we want to, really prioritize as a community and as a group of people here um, in Bergen County. And just, I, th I just think we just need to ask that question, like really critically and really like, you know, um, with a lot of like self-awareness. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Of course. Definitely. And, uh, any yeah, other times at parks, I mean, there's been times when, like when I used to be too broke to join a gym, I'd use the yeah. pull-up bars at the parks or the totally. park horse, whatever they call it, where they have the different exercise stations and whatnot. So I'd, I was doing that uh, just a couple of days ago. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot of value to it for sure. And it helps. Sure. Yeah. Then, there, then there's also, well, what needs to be improved on and fixed and what, 
eh, it could go another 10 more years before <laughs> we spend money on it while focusing on things that are more urgent. Totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And another part of the platform I noticed, uh, transportation. I mean, that's a big one because as you know, a lot of people commute in and out of New York City and then also yeah. just around Bergen County, very congested. So yeah, there's already a more, more, way more than enough cars on the road. I mean, that's just established. That's yeah. known. And, but of course, people still need to get around and it, so it's good to ease congestion at the same time. So I noticed a couple things here that uh, really sparked my interest. Uh, one, uh, mm -hmm. financial subsidies for ride sharing expenses mm -hmm. for low income and senior citizens. Mm -hmm. that, sounds like, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, has that been tried anywhere at all to your knowledge or is this something that we want to be the pioneers of? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I am personally not aware of any other comp uh, not company, um, you know, county government that does this, or even you know, even at the state level or municipality level. But yeah, I was just you know, the real motivation for this is just like really thinking ahead, right? Um, you know, where is you know where is tech, you know where is transportation going? And especially when we think about um, people who can't drive for themselves or they don't own cars right you know uber and lyfts those are great options right but sure. a lot of times it can be really expensive or you know we're at the will of um of the pricing from you know from those companies so um i i i'm you know person i would love to be innovative and push this as a policy um, whether through it's a reimbursement program, um, whether it's through um, some sort of uh, cap for or allowance program or um, that helps low income or citizen or senior citizen residents. Um, the real goal here is, um, you know, let's make sure that the people who live in this county are prepared for what's coming um, for, you know, that's a bit, you know, what's coming from a, for transportation, right? Um, one of the things that I notice is that, um, you know, people are moving away from simply, uh, you know, you know, they're, they're moving away from taxis in general. You know, they're also, uh, you know, not everyone is as accessible to train stations as well, right? Exactly. And so, you know, we have to think of uh, we have to think about innovative ways um, that works for everyone, um, and really targets it for those who need it the most. And I do believe that it is low income and senior citizens who um, will need the help the most. Um, but yeah, um, but that you know, financial subsidies. I think you know, if we it you know, that's one way. I think another idea, and you know, that we want to kind of also um push for is this idea of uh, but perhaps establishing uh an intra county bus system i was about to get to that next because that really caught my attention yeah absolutely yeah yeah go ahead andrew yeah because i read here establish an intra county bus system that provides transportation services to train stations which will ease the travel burden for train commuters while also providing intra county travel for the community and that's, yeah. and I, and I see that every day because my day, I mean, I've been working at home because of the quarantine COVID-19 and all that, but my job is in New York city. Yeah. So when 
before COVID-19, I was commuting, commuting in and out of there every day. Yeah. And, you know, so I uh, experienced this all the time. So this really caught my attention big time. And I mm-hmm. live in North Arlington, no train station in North Arlington. You know, yeah, there's a private bus line that goes in and out of New York City, but it's yeah. cheaper and more flexible for me to use a monthly New Jersey transit pass for that. So I'd either take the train usually in and out of Rutherford or, or Lyndhurst. And in Lyndhurst, there's two train stations. There's a smaller one that's right on the main road that connects my town and goes all the way into Lyndhurst and Rutherford. And then there's the Lyndhurst train station, which does have parking. Now the Rutherford train station, no parking. You either have to walk there or take a bus there. In my case, bus. And there is a bus line, the 76, that connects Newark to Hackensack. So it's a great line being all the different towns and areas it covers. And during rush hour, it runs fairly frequently. When it's not rush hour, yeah, like any other bus line, the frequency goes down like maybe every hour or whatever. However, as great of an idea as that New Jersey Transit line is, you know, its schedule isn't aligned or factored in with the train schedule. So a lot of times the longest part of my commute is not getting from New Jersey into New York City or from New York City into New Jersey. It's getting from my home in North Arlington to a train station the next town over or the town after that and vice versa, getting from Rutherford or Lyndhurst into back into North Arlington again because of you know, the train may arrive, and if the train arrives a couple minutes late, I miss a bus and have to wait another 20 minutes, half hour for the next one to come type of thing. Yeah. So there's nothing, the closest other thing that is this intra-county bus system is not something that's for everybody. It's something called Easy Ride. It's a small bus. And there's one, it does connect Lynnhurst and Rutherford train stations, for example, but mm-hmm. it only goes to and from these luxury apartments. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not something that so while it's aligned with the train schedules, so mm-hmm. yeah, if you get off the train, it's right there waiting for you and everyone else who got off the train who uses it. You know, it's not something that would go into neighboring North Arlington or anything like mm-hmm. that. It would just go to these luxury apartments in Lynnhurst. So it's mainly for the people in the luxury apartments in Lynnhurst who are a little too far to walk to a train station to get to and from. I mean, that's mainly what it's for. And of course, that's, mm-hmm. not in, that's not really inclusive for most people who use these train stations, who don't no. live in walking distance to them. No, it really isn't. Um, and you're right, like you, you're, you're bringing up a really good point that like a lot of these services are targeted to certain groups, right? And a lot yes. of, you know, and it's just a su- small segment, you know, so small segment of maybe the population of North Arlington. Um, and a lot of those benefits go to them. And then what are the majority of people left to do, right? Um, yeah. And I, so like, I, I, you know, I think one of the things that, um, you know, I've, you know, one of the things that generally happens is that, you know, these train stations are in areas where it's, generally wealthier people right generally people who um are 
you know, like, you know, they're more well to do so that, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, they're the ones going to the city, but then the, there are also a lot of other people going into the city, but what are, um, what are more, you know, what are those people who are not in the same boat as, um, as them um, supposed to do? So I'll give you an example, Andrew. Like I, I used to live in Ridgewood, right? And Ridgewood is a pretty wealthy town. Yeah. Um, and Ridgewood has a train station that goes into, um, you know, goes into the city. But, you know, not to say that there are, uh, you know, the surrounding towns are, um, you know, less wealthy, but, you know, there are other towns around Ridgewood that don't, um, don't have train stations, right? And what, are, you know, a lot of what people have to do is commute into that train station, find parking, and then drive over, right? And a lot of times it, it costs money to do that, right? Um, one of the reason why the, this proposal came up is because, um, I think there's a lot of focus for a lot of these wealthy individuals to go into the city, but, um, there is nothing happening for the county itself. Right. Um, my, so the motivation for this came really from when I was in Korea, um, when, when I was in South Korea, uh, the public transportation system was spectacular. Everything was, a train was done. I mean, there's trains, there were buses and everything was on time. There was many of them. And then you can look it up online. Um, and in addition to the bus only, um, you know, not the bus would go um, to many other towns, but also even within the town itself, it would um make stops within the town itself. And so I, I like one of I, I found that that even when you're in Korea, you really don't need to have a car, right? Yeah. And I was asking myself, you know, if someone in Bergen County um didn't have a car, what would happen to them? Right? They would have to do two things, right? They would either have to lift, they would either have to do use Lyft or Uber, um, ask a friend um or uh walk um or use the nj transit right yeah. but the problem with nj transit is that uh it's very selective and it also just goes into new york um yeah so the hope you know the goal here is that when we have a bus system that can be more inward facing right um that can serve those who like you know, really need it the most, um, who don't have the cars, who don't have uh, the means to just always um, make it to where they need to be. Uh, I, I think it will do a good service for that. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I mean, I think the public transportation and in, in, in America in general has a lot of room for improvement. Oh, big uh, time. Yeah. And definitely, Bergen County, I think it's good because, you know, relatively good because we're by New York City. Um, but I think there just needs to be more attention done um, within the county itself. It definitely even just getting around the county, like if you're in one part of yeah. the county, you work in another part of the county. Again, that would be more of a hassle than getting to and from that job than it would be working in, in New York. No, totally. No, you're, and that's exactly it, right? Like, how, how often do we go to, you know, I live in, you know, I used to live in Ridgewood, 
how often do we go to all the way to the east of Edgewater or from Edgewater all the way up to maybe Rams or Mawa, right? Like, you know, that, I don't think any, I don't think there is a system that exists for that. Yeah, not, yeah none that I know of. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, that really caught, that really caught my attention, that one, because it's so like, you, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew, do you, do you, um, so you commute to New York? Um, is that generally? Uh, yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, uh, I, I did. Mm -hmm. I did, you know, every day for the past six years. But uh, since the COVID-19, I've been working from home. You know, same yeah. job, but just working from home. But yes, it, so that's why I, I know about it. It's, I mean, just to get to the train state. Like, yeah, that's the longest part of my commute most of the time is just getting from home to and from the train stations. Now, sometimes when I come out of work, depending when I come out of work, a lot of times, yeah, the timing would be perfect and my, my wife would pick me up at the train station. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. But uh, other than that, though, like in the morning when I'm out the door early, sometimes I have to wake up extra early just because if I don't catch a certain New Jersey transit bus at a certain time, mm -hmm. then everything just falls apart. Exactly. Yeah. Then what do you do? You just, you just have to wait, right? And then you're... you're yeah, exactly. And again, in the morning, the buses run fairly frequently. So that's not uh, too much of a problem. But again, it's just you know, all the transferring just to get to the other side of town or to the next town over. And, uh, but sometimes coming back though, depending on my hours, because I, yeah. I mean, I work until 5 p.m. now, but for a while I used to work till 6 p.m. And of course, by the time I get back in the area, the rush hour slows down, which means the frequency of the buses slows down. So yeah, if the train was like, a, was running five minutes behind schedule, that that could have made a huge difference sometimes. Mm -hmm. That could have meant having to wait another 40 minutes for a local bus to come by. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I would just see if I could just walk to three miles back home. And then if I see a bus coming, I'll finally hop on it. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, it's just that, whereas the people who live in the luxury apartments, you know, there's that, yeah, yeah there's that little tiny, like easy ride, but whatever it's called bus that, aligns itself with the train schedule. So it drops people, it picks people up from those apartments, drops them off at the station on time, and then yeah. it's there waiting for them when they get off. So that's aligned with the train schedules, unlike the NJ Transit right. lines that pass through. Yeah. But imagine that, like the, I think the goal would be the what, the easy pass, or no, not the easy pass. Easy, I think easy ride, if I'm easy not mistaken, I, if that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, that's neat. I wasn't aware of that, but the easy ride, I mean, I think that's the goal, right? Like having something like that within the key hotspots across, you know, all the towns that are targeted toward, you know, that, that are directed to, um, you know, the major areas to commute, right? And then, um, you know, whether it's to New York or whether it's across the county, um, you know, if it, I, I think I think it would do a lot of good, yeah. It would big time. Yeah. Yeah, because too much of it revolves around going in and out of New York City when yeah, yeah there's you know there's more going on around here than no, that. Exactly. There's more places to work than that as well. Exactly. I mean, I, 
that's the problem. We're, I think Bergen County has been um, a county that's focused in on like, how do we service our residents relative to New York City, right? But you're, as you said, right, there's so much more to Bergen County than to New York City. Um, and that I think if we keep thinking that way, where, you know, what do we do to attract the people from New York City? What do we do to um, make sure that New York City and Bergen County is aligned? I mean, there's a lot of, I think that needs to, I mean, that is very important, not to say that's not very important, but I think we have to be cognizant that like, there is a whole other group, there is a lot of people that are not, um, that don't fall into um, the commuters of New York, right? And um, we, you know, I, I think as a, as a people, we need to um, recognize that and then serve them, you know, um, especially as a government, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, Andrew, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, definitely, of course. And then also on the platform, and very, very relevant, especially recent events and everything. Uh, yeah. Social justice, I see. Yeah. It says, we value the compassionate care and empowerment of the most vulnerable in our society. We recognize that our economic and social systems disproportionately hurt individuals according to their race, ethnicity, religion, age, gender, sexual orientation, and social status. We view people as people, not as numbers or dollar signs. Our commitment is dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless and advocating for justice. We are driven by our moral service to the public. And yeah, of course, it even mentions most recently the killing of George Floyd and the countless number of injustices done in our country revealed to us the flawed history of America. While hard work, dedication, creativity, and entrepreneurialism are major pillars of the American economic mindset, we must also recognize our history of divisiveness has allowed the exploitation and segregation of certain groups for the benefit of the collective whole. Mm, yep. And the, the history has propagated systemic inequity and injustice by our leadership and institutions. And sometimes we have been part of the collective whole. Mm -hmm. The reality is that in the state of New Jersey, we have one of the most segregated school districts in the nation. Mm -hmm. Now, racial and social justice will not be immediate, an immediate fix, but like with anything, the first step is the acknowledgement of the problem. And then it says, uh, as part of the healing process, we will clearly acknowledge the racial and social injustices done by our leadership and institutions written by the Board of Freeholders and any additional governmental representatives work with community and faith leadership to understand the grievances of marginalized communities through forums mm -hmm. and our open hearings develop clear action plans coming out of discussions, and the ICE detention facilities to ensure our institutions do not enable and profit off of inhumane and unjust practices, and develop a youth leadership program focused on the civil service, public office opportunities. The goal of the program is to invest in the younger generation for civic duty and public office. Affirmative action will be applied to encourage greater representation from marginalized communities. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, first step, acknowledging it. I, not too long ago, right here in Bergen County, uh, a member of the sheriff had to resign because of uh, some comments he made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think 
you know, ultimately, uh, I mean, Andrew, I think you might have uh, alluded to this, but like, you know, one of the, um, you know, I, I, I think for myself, like personally for myself, the reason why I'm doing this, it, it is really for the moral service to the public, as you mentioned, right? Um, uh, my, you know, something I wanted to share is that it is my faith, uh, my Christian faith that kind of drove me into kind of social and political work, right? Nice. And, um, you know, just getting involved, I think uh, my faith has led me to kind of uh, really advocate, um, you know, for the most vulnerable. And and I do believe that politics is a medium for it. And um, um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's kind of sad to, to be honest, because I think, you know, uh, Christians have been um, antagonized with the whole, uh, you know, um, I think like, you know, with political identity and like with uh, all this, yeah, you know, you know association of evan- you know, evangelicals, quote unquote evangelicals. And yeah, the religious right movement and all that. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to, you know, the part, part of me getting involved was just to just even show that like, you know, no, there are you no know, Christians are do really care um, and want to, um, you know, put ourselves in a position where we can serve um, rather than, uh, you know, uh, give directions or lead or lead in a way where we're um, putting down others. Right. Um, and I think the whole so you know, that's my first motivation. And I think, you know, racism um, the systemic racism in our country is, uh, I think, being, I think it's being exposed. And, you know, I'm glad this really happened in terms of uh, people waking up finally uh, to what's been happening in our country. Um, I do believe there is a time for us to kind of just, just acknowledge it. Um, I, I don't think in Bergen County, um, I think Bergen County has been a, um, has been not a participant, but um, in a way has benefited from a lot, you know, from systemic racism um, error. So for example, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit is that, you know, my girlfriend, um, she is going to school in Newark, right? Um, and she is, you know, I lived in Ridgewood and I'll be honest, I lived in a bubble. Um, and that was something that was very, uh, something that I wasn't aware of until I left uh, uh, for college and really got exposed to a lot of the social um, issues in Atlanta, right? But one thing that I did notice is that there is deep segregation in New Jersey, firstly, right? And there is, um, and then the support from our um, governments and our leaders are attri- are attributed to that, right? And I'll, I'll, I think one thing that just like, even just even something that I noticed was that like, infrastructure wise, right? Now, Bergen County has, you know, there's a lot of issues with potholes and um, a lot of issues with the roads, but once you get into S, like, 
when I'm driving down to go to Newark to visit my girlfriend, I turn on to Route 3, which is like coming off from like Lyndhurst and like North Arlington, right? And I go on to Route 21, which is the highway that heads into Newark. Right when you turn from Route 3 into Route 21, you can tell an immediate difference in the road, right? The road is broken down. The road is cracked. There's like potholes everywhere. Like if you if you think there's a bad potholes in Bergen, there are bad, really bad potholes in on that Route 21 into Newark, and that extends into the city. And the thing is that, like you drive, if you continue to drive in that in that environment, you will ruin your car. You will ruin your tires, and you will ruin it it basically takes a toll and you notice that there's a it this is the cycle like this is the cycle of poverty that they um that that i learned about and i read about earlier when i was in ridgewood but i didn't really understand right it's like that there is a that when you're going you know someone who has who has to you know someone who is not well to do right they buy they they have to buy a broken down car and driving on roads that are breaking down they have to constantly fix their tires and um they have to constantly fix their you know um their car because of the roads because they haven't been supported by their government right um and this is happening um this is ha- this is happening systemically um and something that was like um you know yeah, I mean that this is happening, you know, from Essex. You know, there's a difference from Essex and from Bergen. You know, even people say Essex is a uh, uh, the tale of two cities, right? We got from Montclair um, into uh, Newark, and um, you know, the sec- even in Bergen County, uh, there there is deep segregation too. You know, I lived in Ridgewood, a very predominantly white town. You go into my churches in Teaneck, and then it's right by, you know, Teaneck and Englewood, which is um, um, more predominantly black, right? And you notice that housing values and everything is different right there, right? The reality of it is that um, a lot of the reason why that happened is because the black community has been systemically blocked from a lot of, um, a lot from, you know, they've been blocked from a lot of government policies that were supposed to benefit the whole, right? Whether it's accessing mortgages, whether it's accessing, um, you know, greater schools uh, or better schools uh, to benefit their kids. It's just basically, there's a lot of things that happen. And I think that in Bergen County, we have to recognize that whether we don't participate in now, that's the way it is. And that we have to be uh, willing to acknowledge that problem, you know? Yeah, definitely. And again, very important to even in a primary election, pay attention to who's running and not just assume that one party is always right about it. Because as I mentioned about that sheriff who made some type of racial comments and had to resign because it sparked an outrage. And then they had to immediately have an emergency election. So there was no time for a primary, which is why you had three independents running. Yeah. And uh, well, he was a Democrat when he did that. Now he was a Republican all these years up till that year. And and this is just my opinion, my theory about it, is that it was 2016 when he got reelected. So he probably 
switch the Democrat so he could win all those down ticket votes yeah. votes. So you probably think, yeah, Bringing County is going to vote majority Democrat, majority Hillary, whatever. So, and he already knows that the people who already like him, you know, people in law enforcement or already like him are going to vote for him no matter what he runs as. And then figures in addition to that, I'll just win the down ticket vote. I mean, that's my guess on it. And it's just a guess, but, uh, but it shows that, yeah, you got to, you know, you can't just fall asleep during the primaries and then uh, just vote down ticket a certain party because you're led to believe that, well, this party stands for that. That party means for, stands for that. No, it goes a lot deeper than that. And it's acknowledging what's really going on and has been going on and the effects of today. And also weighing it all out, seeing who's really addressing it. And that way people can make more informed decisions about it. And again, it, it's one of many, many reasons why I do this podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that I want to just highlight is that, you know, um, you know, we can talk the talk, but we got to, you know, walk the walk. And exactly, Bergen County is, you know, I think generally socially pretty progressive, right? Um, but what are we doing in terms of the, you know, the ICE detention, right in Hackensack, right in Hackensack, right? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we have decided as a county was that we were going to, we were, we decided to get the money from housing ICE detainees, um, which is basically just immigrants. I mean, why are um, illegally, you know, they're illegally being detained, um, but Bergen County is, is profiting or getting $16 million off of that, right? Exactly. Um, and so one of the things is that, you know, if we really want to say, hey, we believe in this, like, let's, let's put our money where our mouth is, right? You know, um, so yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the things is that we, you know, I, I hope as a, you know, as a county, but also as like a candidate that like, you know, we really step up to the plate and really, um, make the hard decisions like that, you know, like it's not all about just making money and getting, you know, but it's about protecting those who need it the most and um, serving those who need the most. And that's, exactly. I think that is what, uh, that's what our role is and that's what we're called to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yes, uh, if anyone in Bergen County has not yet, voted because there's mail-in voting now so i'm sure a mm -hmm. lot of people have but anyone who hasn't again uh, daniel kim is running for freeholder in bergen county on the not me us ticket and there's another candidate running for freeholder his name is ed fanning if this is the yep. same ed fanning who ran as a green years ago then i voted for him in the past but nonetheless yes, though <laughs> uh yeah. real quick on his background uh Ed Fanning, graduate of Ohio Wesleyan University, double major in economics and political science, and an MBA in finance from Fordham University. And he's had a career in finance as a manager for the Depository Trust and Cleaning Corporation, a clearinghouse for all U.S. stock exchanges. And yeah, I bring that up just how I went over your educational background earlier, is because I know a lot of people, especially people who are unaware of all the tax money that's wasted on a lot of corruption or things that aren't disclosed 
as they should be, because I know we went over that as far as uh, money and politics and mm -hmm. uh, contract bidding and all that. You know, a lot of people are unaware of all that. So when they hear progressive candidates come up with good ideas, they'll think, oh, that sounds like such a tall order. Uh, who's going to pay for it? How's it going to, you know, we can't afford that. And look how high taxes are already. And if someone pr is proposing such great ideas is someone who eh, has like a liberal arts background, of course, you know, the critics are immediately going to think, oh, well, what do they know about balancing a budget? What do they know about doing simple math and all that? Well, all that is out the window. I mean, that kind of uh, selective skepticism falls flat now because, you know, both you and Ned have strong backgrounds in economics and finance. So nobody could say anything to you about that, the whole, how are you going to pay for it? When, yeah. one, you guys know what you're talking about in that regard. So you could approach it realistically, you know, not just yeah. out of, hey, this is what I'd rather see, but also... You know, real. You could take a more realistic approach to it, and of course, yeah, you could see where it's all being wasted, and you could see the lack of transparency that uh, that a lot of people just haven't really been aware of. So, yeah, a lot of these great things, whether it's the education or even the transportation ideas that we went over, mm -hmm. you know, the money's there for it. Sometimes it's just a matter of uh, priorities and getting rid of some corruption that goes on because if there was nothing to hide, nothing would be hidden as far as, you know, what you're talking about with, you know, the county freeholders before. Absolutely. Um, no, totally. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it really is a question of priorities and that's what I wanted to just kind of convey, right? What's, what is your priority? And, um, you know, Ed and I are very, um, you know, we have a lot of backgrounds and, uh, you know, working in finance, working in you know, understanding how, um, just like how, how to manage and organize effectively. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Ed was a candidate for the Greens for Congress, and he, he is a very um, strong progressive, um, but also very practical. Um, and um, I think that's our team, right? It's like we both know what's right um I, we believe that you know like we will get it done um um for what's best for those who um you know for everyone here but especially for those who need it the most um and we're not afraid of like the backlash that may come from making a um maybe making a, you know, making a stand for what's right when it may, when, when it may upset those who are in power, right, who may have some, you know, or have the influence for money. Um, we understand that we're not here to serve, um, no, we're here to serve everybody, right? It's not just for the wealthy few or the influential few. Um, exactly. And so it's kind of, yeah, that's like, that's really it. I mean, we're, we're two guys who are passionate about this. Um, we do, ex we feel like we do bring a different experience and perspective to it when we do have management um, practical skills that will help us be successful. Um, and we do have ideas and we do want to share those ideas with people who feel like that, you know, this is the only way. Like, I, I believe there is another way. We just have to have the courage and the a will to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, everything you said is 
on point. Yeah. Excellent. Well, once again, Dan, uh, thank you for doing this interview and getting the message out. And again, listeners, if you have not yet voted, if you're in Bergen County, you have not yet voted. I mean, you should have received your mail-in ballot by now. Yeah. So if you haven't yet voted, uh, I think uh, Dan has made a very good case on who to vote for, for Bergen County Freeholder. So yeah, get that ballot in before the July 7th deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it okay, Andrew, if I um, just share our website, people who- um, Please do, please do. Interested? Yep. So uh, for everyone here, um, if you just go to ourrevolutionbergen.com slash candidates, uh, you'll be able to find us. So uh, our revolution is the organization that Ed and I are part of, and then Bergen County, of course. So ourrevolutionbergen.com slash candidates. And you'll have, you'll find information about myself and Ed and our issues and policies and proposals. All right, excellent. Well, thank you again for being on Actively Aware. And yeah, but I mean, I already did my ballot, so you already got my vote. And yeah, best of wishes with this. Hope we uh, make some really good, serious, positive changes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew. And, uh, you know, I think you're doing a great thing, actually. This was so nice. neat. I was just having a conversation with my friend about how do we find information about candidates? And you are actually attacking that problem at the core. So thanks again. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, ends it for today. And everybody, just election, you know what to do. Make it happen. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. Have a good one. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Yep.